here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13, and chapter 7, verses 2 to 4. A section here that I've called uh, Love's Ten Points. We will pray and then read the Word of God. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. The Lord's may our hearts and soul be wide open to the amazement of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Father, I thank you for this season of gratitude, a time of thanksgiving. Father, may we be overwhelmed at the amazing things you've already done. And yet, Father, may we rest assured, steadfast, standing strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you shall accomplish. Father, we know that you cause all things to work to the good of those who love you. Father, may we rest in that this day with grateful hearts, with grateful hearts. Father, we look at the, the Apostle Paul's ministry. May we understand the heartache that he endured. And yet, Father, his ability to press on to the upward calling of you. Father, may our focus be your kingdom, your righteousness. Father, as we look at love and its actions, May we be overwhelmed by the amazing things that you do through these earthen vessels. To your glory and to your praise. In Christ's name. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in a like exchange, I speak to you as children... Open wide to us also. Chapter 7, verse 2. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you. For I have said before that you are in our hearts. To die together and to live together. Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy. In all of our afflictions. The Apostle Paul, when I, I started this letter, uh, 2 Corinthians, the, the essence of this thing is ministry. Okay, if you're Christian, you're a minister. Okay, now don't get excited. It means servant. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you are one of his servants. What you have to look at the Corinthian letters is, is 1 Corinthians is personal holiness. Okay, what is you? Where are you? Okay, see, we have a tendency in our natures to want to look at everybody else's holiness and or lack of it. All right, and once you have that resolved in that essence, all right, that the Corinthian catastrophe was pride. I mean, that's basically what was killing the church. They had schisms and divisions in the church, and it was based on, quote-unquote, spiritual pride. And what happens, once you allow that to take off, then you'll start corrupting things. Your freedom in Christ. First Corinthians tells us that there was a young man in the church who had his father's wife. Okay, now, 
That's a tragedy. But the greater tragedy is, is the Corinthians were boasting of it. And he says, even the pagans don't do that. But then you take that and you even take it down and they were having, quote unquote, potluck. And the rich people didn't have to go to work, so they would come to the potluck early. And then when the poor people who had just got done working for a day's wages, they would come in and all they got was leftovers. All right. And all of that is, on, in essence, pride. It's just pride doing it. So he's got first Corinthians is laid out there. There's another letter that you and I don't have. It's called the severe letter. OK, and then you have this letter. All right. Now, this church, Paul had been in for about 18 months, working day and night, going from house to house, teaching and walking and encouraging. OK, he said this church lacks no spiritual gifts. All right. And yet their pride and these schisms had actually taken them to the place where they were perverting spiritual gifts. I mean, that's sort of how sick this thing is. And the Apostle Paul had written them and these people were very dear to him. And he was trying to get them back on track so that they could be useful. And. What happens when you get into this situation? You will have people who will come in and they want to attack the Bible teacher. All right. If they can't find sin in your life. All right. And if they can't find false doctrine in your life, then they will attack the vessel. Okay. And they bring accusations. Okay, that I don't have to base them on anything. They just need to bring them. Because if I can discredit the teacher, then you don't have to listen to the message. And now I can be the teacher. And I can come alongside. And I can mold it into what I deem necessary. And the Apostle Paul is trying to overcome this in this church. Because the attack is on on him, his integrity. All right. And one of the things that I will warn you on is that if you take a firm stance on Scripture, biblical truth, you will become a target. You will absolutely become a target because there's so few who will stand there. And they will look at you've heard it living in a fishbowl. Okay, well, yeah, that that happens, but. That's easy to compensate. The ones that are hard to compensate against is when the people bring an accusation and there's nothing behind it. Okay, I've been in this community for a long time. And uh, because I've been in this community for a long time, uh, a lot of people know me uh, and and, uh, know of me. And I get pointed at. Um, I've shared with you before that uh, I had hung some fluorescent lights in that liquor store down there at the corner by the post office. And I went in there one afternoon to give the the owner of the bill. And somebody saw me coming out of the liquor store and says, look, the pastor's in the liquor store. They left the church, but they tried to get their some allies to go with them. And my question is, why don't you ask me about it? Okay. My electrical business is a, not a nonprofit organization. <laughs> All right. But you, that's what I was doing. All right. And there are people that will do that. And it, let me just roll the accusation out. 
fine. All right. But see, what I've always found is, is those who want to do that will never come to me. All right. They want to go to let me get some allies. You know, I think he's doing this. Oh, I believe he's doing that. And they won't ever come to me and say, what are you doing? All right. So that's what they did to the Apostle Paul. Okay, now I don't know if he was hanging lights in the uh, liquor store, but you get what I'm getting at. All right, he's hanging candles. Uh, all right. And so what happens is, is that you have this section of Scripture and it brackets one of the most often quoted sections of Scripture in existence. Okay, but it's on both sides. Understand that. Okay, and that, that's going to be key in the next few weeks because he says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Okay, and I, <laughs> I tell you what, I've heard that so many times. It's the most favorite <laughs> memorized text in Scripture. All right, but the truth of the matter is you need to look in front of it and look after it because that's where the 10 points of love are. All right. Let me go through these really quick. 611, 10 points of love. You want to see love? It's based on truth. We opened our mouths wide to you. Why? Out of the mouth speaks the heart. Okay, the word had been poured into their hearts. The love of God had been poured into their hearts. And he says, I open wide to you. Well, I open my heart. He says, I have plenty of room in my heart for all of you. In spite of the way they're treating him. In spite of the things that they're doing, he's wide open to them. And he's saying, you know what? Doesn't matter. It's obvious I am wide open to you because I gave you truth. Okay? And listen, there's times truth hurts. But it is more loving to point out error than to say, well, you know, it's really not that big a deal. You know, and I see it all over the place. You know, ask an average Christian, how many wise men were there? Okay? The Bible doesn't say. Okay? And, and you, you just hear, I, I remember the lady, did, I think I shared this with you. The lady said she knows she was saved because the shadow put her hand up, put it in this other shadow's hand. And therefore, God was giving me to Jesus. I'm sitting there going, oh, I don't ever remember him being called a shadow. Okay? So you get things like that and you're just sitting there going, no, you've you got to say something because that's not right. You know, um... I, I get people who tell me, say, well, you know, I'm, I'm born again. I'm a Christian. And I always do the same thing. How do you know? And it makes them mad. Well, you know, you really ought to be sure about that. And if you give me the shadow things, we're going to have to sit down and talk. Okay, but, uh, but, but these are the kinds of things. You know what? When I first came to the pulpit here in this church 20 years ago, the big thing was spiritual gifts and or the corruption of spiritual gifts. That was the battle. Okay. There ain't no battle in that no more. All right. Um, but I get into more trouble when I ask, are you saved? Listen, if the only thing you can tell me is you walked an aisle and was baptized, that don't prove nothing. The guy I got baptized with, it was his fourth time. And I was like, well, you got to do this monthly? I mean, because I was biblically illiterate. I, I just knew I needed to be baptized. And he said, no, he said, I'm just making sure. Well, gee, many crickets go sit in the baptistry then. And, you know, I, I don't know. But, but see, that doesn't have anything to do with it. 
Don't get me wrong. Everybody says, wait a minute, you're in a Baptist church, you got it. Well, listen, if the heart hasn't come to submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, don't worry about baptism. That's the least of your problems. So you share truth. That is the first and foremost in love. Okay. Second thing, there's affection. When I share truth, I do it out of affection. My heart is open wide, but I do it because I expect it at some point to be reciprocated. Again, what did I say? You want to challenge somebody, say, are you saved? And they say, yes. Then you have to ask them, does your affection look like it? You don't act like it. Okay. And you share truth in love so that it will be shared down the road and it comes back. Okay. Paul says, I am open to you. Be open to me. And like exchange. Because there's a oneness. That's what he says as children. In like exchange, I speak as children. Why? In 1 Corinthians, he says, you know what? I am your spiritual father. You'll have a whole bunch of spiritual teachers. But you've only got one spiritual father. Which makes you my spiritual children. In like exchange, children. Love your father back as your father has loved you. So there's a oneness. And it, listen... I, there's a huge movement in our society today for all of us, quote unquote, Christians to be one. Listen, you don't have to do that. If you're saved, you already are one. Okay, if there's error in your teaching or your understanding, then let us sit down and reason together from scriptures. If you have to take it to a conflict, then guess what? One or both are wrong. It's that simple. There is purity. Second part of verse 2. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. All right. There's a tendency. A pastor is never going to admit this. Even though their actions may validate this. Okay. It's a job. Okay, it's how you make your living. And they want more people so that their living will increase. I know uh, four pastors, three or four pastors in Castle Rock right now that are paid six-figure salaries. Okay, now you're going to be hard-pressed to get the word, but they're paid well. All right. And you know what? I have absolutely no problem with a pastor making six figures. I do have a problem if the pastor ain't doing what he's been called to do. And that is to bring forth the word of God. All right. And if they don't, you know, and I, you know, been in the community as long as I've been, I can meet with these pastors. And as soon as they say something, I can say, and where is that in the Bible? Okay. And they know what I'm saying. Okay. Because it's the methods of men are still the methods of men. All right, and, you know, as soon as I say that, they, <laughs> I just know how to make friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm narrowing down my Christmas list. And, and, and I, but I, I don't do that just to make people mad. I do that because truth demands in a loving way you say, where is that? 
And there ain't nothing wrong with it. But where is it? Because if it ain't in the Word of God, you know what? I really don't have a lot of use for it. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy it. I like fly fishing. Okay? But you know what? Fly fishing ain't going to save nobody. And if you've seen the way I fish, you know it's dangerous. No. <laughs> I'm kind of like Peter. Without divine intervention, I ain't catching nothing. <laughs> so, But the purity is to call the people to it. Why? We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. But he also talks about humility. We have taken advantage of no one. Okay? Humility says, I ain't in this for me. Okay? Humility says, I'm just rolling it out. Got to deal with it. I ain't doing it for my own ego. I ain't doing, you know, everybody wants to publish a book. You know, I want to to publish a book. What are you going to publish a book on? Something about the Bible. The Bible seems to be doing pretty fair on its own. And, but yeah, but if you can get published, you can, you know, they asked me, have you ever been published? Yeah, I did a coloring book years ago. Um, It's, that ain't the issue, people. The issue is, I'm not here to take advantage. I'm here to say, this is what truth says. Period. Why? And because in that truth, then our hearts are open wide. Okay, and he's already challenges. Go through these texts. Look how many times he repeats, open wide to us. We are open wide to you. Our hearts are open to you. This is an amazing text because he never uses the word love, and yet it's all over the place. It's all over the place. There's forgiveness. We do not speak to condemn you. Okay? The word there literally means to judge. I'm not here to give the ultimate judge on you. I'm not here to condemn you. He says, I ain't confronting you because this is the final judgment on you. He says, I'm confronting you because truth and my love. Truth says I confront it. Okay? But understand this, I'm not here to condemn Okay, there's times if you confront someone, um, they feel like they've been condemned. Okay, um, and, and, and it's, that's not what we're about. Now, there are some who do, who believe they're, they're the ultimate judge. But the truth of the matter is, truth does the judging. Okay, if they are condemned, then it's the person of the Holy Spirit doing it. It ain't you. I know some of us think we're the Holy Spirit, but we're not. So we give out truth to open your eyes. Why? Paul was looking at a church in Corinth that he wanted to excel more, as he told the Thessalonians. I want you to do more. Okay? But you've got some issues you're going to have to deal with. All right? And that's what he was trying to bring back to their to their thinking processes. Because in verse 3 of chapter, the second part of that is that there's a togetherness there. For I have said before, you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Okay? That means eternal. Whether it's in death or it's in life, we live together. And it's forever and ever. All right? That's to be together. Okay, it's on this side of the cross or the other side of the cross, on this side of the temporal or in glory. It's forever and ever. You know, I watch some Christians or I've been around some Christians who, quote unquote, hold a grudge. And and I keep thinking, you know, some Christian made them mad or something. And, And I said, you know what? You guys really ought to get along because you have to spend eternity together. 
And I mean, if you guys spend eternity together, you might as well start working this out now. Okay, because you're going to be the only two grouchy ones in heaven. And, 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 I, and I don't understand that because, you know, it is so easy for us to get absorbed in ourselves that all of a sudden we don't forgive and all of a sudden your standard of righteousness is now higher than God's. Really? I'm not going to stand in front of God saying, you know what, I think my rules were better than yours. I just ain't going to do it. You know, if you want to do it, fine. I don't want to be around you when you see him. <laughs> okay? Go on ahead of me. <laughs> okay? But then he made this statement in verse 4, chapter 7. Great is my confidence in you. And I still am freaked out over that. Great is my confidence in you. These guys are knuckleheads. Gee, many crickets. They're getting drunk at the Lord's table. And great is my confidence in you. Did I miss something? Okay, they're running around boasting. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Christ because I'm truly spiritual. They're perverting spiritual gifts. Their worship service was so chaotic that Paul said if lost people come in there, they're going to think you guys are insane. But great is my confidence in you. But see, that's what love does. Love covers a multitude of sins. And it's, there's a confidence that comes out that says, you know what? Regardless of what's going on, I love you because Christ loved you first. And his love is in me, and therefore you're his creation. You are a new creation in Christ, and I love you as Christ loved you. And I know... I know there's times you look at some of these Christians and you go, are you sure God loved them? Okay. You know what I'm talking about? The porcupine Christians. Yeah. Cute as a button. Don't touch it. Right. Or those ones. Do you ever remember? In my life, I got stuck with a bunch of them there for a long time that their foreheads were all wrinkled up. And they were, they just seemed mad all the time. And you need to be saved now. Uh, all right, <laughs> whatever you say, I'm going to lead you to Christ if I have to drag you. Okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, whatever you've got, I hope is not contagious. But Paul said, even in the midst of all of this, he had a confidence in the Corinthians. And I look at the Corinthians church and think, man, what a fiasco. And yet he said they lack no spiritual gifts. So it was obvious God was doing something there. Which brings me to boasting. Boasting. Great is my confidence in you. And great is my boasting on your behalf. Okay. Now this is not the sinful boasting. Have you ever been around the people who know it all? Okay. And if you don't believe me, ask them. You know, they're experts on everything and they've done everything at least once. And of course, when they did it, they excelled at it. Okay. All right. That's not the boasting that I'm talking about. The boasting here, I, I think about this church in Corinth and, and what a mess. Okay. But that is what love is. See, love looks at it 
and says, I can boast on how God are changing these wretched souls and conforming them into the image of his son. That's what he was boasting in. That's how love is. Love says God brought truth to your soul. So there is love. Tell me the worst about them and I'll tell you what's good about them. You ever thought of that? If you go down the highway and there's an accident on the other, let's say on the southbound and you're headed northbound, why does the northbound slow down? They weren't in the accident. The accident is over there. Why do we slow down? And all of a sudden you got traffic backing up, headed northbound, and the accidents come to a stop on the southbound. Why do we stop? Why do we slow down? We're looking for the bad. It's just easier. You watch news. How many times you turn on the news and, well, that was just cheerful. We want to hear bad. Who blew up whose house? What caught on fire? Who shot who? I mean, I I was so sick and tired of Friday listening about the riots at these shopping centers. And I was like, well, you you lock the door. Okay. And, you know, then they, I don't know, Black Friday is now what? Black Thursday and a half Friday or something. I don't know how that all works. I don't. Anyway, but you listen to this and you're thinking, you know, these people are out buying Christmas presents and are getting into fist fights. Really? Huh? I think we missed something there. I could be wrong. And yet we have a tendency as people to want to look at the bad. You know what? Next time you think about that. And that's what's something you want to dwell on. I'm going to ask you this. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't look at your bad? Because if he's looking at your bad, whew, you better like to smell of sulfur and heat. And see, that's what we're doing wrong. We have the love of God poured into our heart so we can look at brothers and sisters regardless of what the worst may be and say, but look at what God is doing. We boast on others. We exalt them. See, and when you do that, we will rejoice and we will exalt one another. Somebody said, quote, they all be the trophies of God's grace, unquote. That's kind of cool if you think about it. Paul makes this clear, verse 14 of chapter 7. For if in anything I have boasted to him, speaking of Titus, about you. Can you think about that? He says, I'm wanting Titus, I'm sending Titus back down to you with this letter because you guys are morons. And I'm sending Titus down there and I'm telling Titus before he leaves, I'm boasting about you guys. That's amazing to me. Because Titus has to be saying, church in Corinth, are you sure? (laughs) I'm not sure about that. How can you be boasting about these? He had seen the repentance in the church in Corinth. The changing of the direction. He, that gave him the heart to boast. If you look at uh, 
6 and 7 of chapter 7. But God who conforms, uh, comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Titus had come back to where Paul was in Ephesus and give him a report. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he comforted in you. He reported to us your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. See, that's what you boast in. That is amazing stuff. That is amazing stuff. That's confidence. Paul had a confidence that God had started a good work and would finish it. That was his confidence to the point that he could literally boast about it. He had received a good report. And you know what, brothers and sisters? That is how love is. Have you you ever, ever seen family love? Okay. I have watched it. And maybe not in your family. In my family, I have some oddballs. Um, They probably think I'm one of them. But anyway, um, how is this? Some characters. Okay. Um, I I have an uncle. I think he's dead and gone. But if you were ever in a gun or knife fight, you want him with you. I mean, that's just something to have. Right? But I, but I tell you what, man, one of the most loving guys you'll ever see, especially if he was sober. Okay, but, but he was, uh, um, as my grandma, my grandma was about that tall, she would say, he's a little feisty. Feisty? Yeah, I, okay. But, you know, everybody else knew how crazy Carl was in the family. But we all took up for him. All right. How much greater should that be in the body of Christ? All right. We got some crazy cousins in the body of Christ. You know that? And you just sort of, yeah, yeah, I know them. Why? (laughs) Are they around? But the truth of the matter is, you still have a love that compels you. You don't look at the bad. You look at the good side. The gracious side. You look at the fact that that earthen vessel, regardless of how it looks, regardless of what it's doing, is still a vessel that God cherishes. You don't see the worst in people. You see the best in people. You see God's grace. You see God's mercy. You see God's majesty in people. Okay, now listen, be real careful. I'm not talking about perfection. There's a lot of times we want to see perfection in people. Okay, uh, if, if that's what you're looking for, I would highly suggest you stand up first. All right? And, and if you're not willing to do that, then probably shouldn't be looking at perfection in other people. And, and I shared with you last week out of 1 Thessalonians where he says, you know what, we are here to encourage We are here to strengthen the faint-hearted. We are here to help the weak and encourage. All right? And and see, that's what we're here to do. We ain't here to condemn. Holy Spirit does a fine job of that. 
It is our responsibility to help them walk. The feeble. You know, the ones that as soon as you let go, they hit the ground. Ah, daggone it. Pick them up again. Ah, daggone it. Pick them up. Stand, prop them up against the wall. Don't move. I'll be right back. Okay? And that's our responsibilities. Every one of us. If you're a minister and you ain't doing that, you ain't doing nothing. You ain't doing anything. We're still here. But we can see in our brothers and our sisters the change. We witness it. Chapter 10 of this letter. Verse 17. What I am saying, I am not saying as the Lord would, but in foolishness and confidence of boasting. Okay, what he's saying is, I'm looking at what the Lord is doing. Okay, you know what? I remember a guy one time talking to me. He says, if you're a Christian, you will bear fruit. I mean, it may be one lousy little raisin, but you're still going to bear fruit. And you know what? If you look at true Christians... There's some of them out there that have these great big gobs of grapes. But there's some out there that's got one lousy raisin. But you know what? It's still an eternal raisin. And it's by God's grace that they bore that. And we should appreciate that. Okay, because we have an idea that, well, we have that thing that Billy Graham, you know, come forward and the whole place empties out and stands down at the bottom. Okay, and therefore I'm successful. Well, Billy Graham says he doesn't believe that 1% of the people who ever walked before him are actually saved. So what was that? Okay, see, these are the things that you have to pay attention to. I have been in this church long enough and and, and, uh, and trying to fight a good fight that if I had half of the people who rejected what we were doing, we'd have a mega church. It's that simple. I've never seen anything like it. I've seen people put up with me for five years and walk away and say, you know what? I like what you're doing, but every time I listen to you, you hurt my feelings, so we're going somewhere else. That's my fault. Are we seeing the best? And we hold to that. Look to the best. And you know what? There's times you've got you've, you've to look a little harder than other times. But it's still there. I look at this church and what they were doing to the Apostle Paul. And every one of us in this room right now would have said, dusting my feet off. I ain't throwing my pearls before these pigs no more. I'm out of here. Every one of us. Yet the Apostle Paul hadn't give up on him. Hadn't give up on it. If you remember the letter of Revelations, chapter 3, verses 14 and following, the angel to the church of Laodicea, write, the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this, I know your deeds, okay? That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Okay, and it literally means to vomit. You think you're rich and you're poor. You think you can see and you're blind. Okay, but you know what's amazing? We always look at that and say, I know them. 
You know what's amazing about that? He wrote him a letter. The Lord himself said, John, write to the messenger of the church of Laodicea. Which tells me it's a church. It's neither hot nor cold. And you make me want to puke. But you're still a church. Sell all that you've got. Buy sap from me that you may see and know that in your poorness you are truly rich. He still wrote them. We look at Laodiceans and we say, oh, I can't believe them people. God sent them a letter. I didn't get a letter from him. Okay? Why? Still good. Paul believed God's work would continue. Why? 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love believes the best. Believes the best. Love has a pride in the object. Do you get that? That that I love, I take pride in. I boast in it. I have confidence in this. This is awesome stuff right here. Why? Because that is the object of my love. I have a phrase that I use for different things. I call it love 1025. And everybody says, what is that? I'll let the secret out. Hebrews 10.25 Do not forsake the assembly of, of, of the church. That's love. That's love. The true love. The nature of love is so much more than an emotion. I wish we would get that. It isn't this icky sentimental thing. See, if I ha- you can have family, okay, that you love. Okay, then you may have extended family. You may have some friends that, that you love. And there's some people here in the church that's got friends from, you know, like the sixth and seventh grade. And, you know, we're still tight and we talk and we're like, sixth and seventh grade? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, I don't even remember that. I don't even know nobody's name from then. Okay, but you you hear this, and there's a part of me that is envious of it. That is not the path that I chose. All right, and and, but you hear them, you know, you know, I went to high school, and we did, and you're like, dude, I don't know if anybody I went to high school with is still out of prison yet. Um, (laughs) But uh, there's things that you 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 kind of scratch your head with some of this, and, and and then it dawns on me. I said. You know, love has a pride in that object and and that friendship or that family. But let me ask you a question. Does your love have, is it that same with your co-laborers in Christ? Your fellow ministers? Because that's what Paul's getting at right here to you and me. See, the nature of love is way more than an emotion. You, You think about it. I can honestly say as a pastor, I've had people hurt me more than I ever was when I was lost. But the love of God doesn't allow me to sit there and say, well, I'm going to get even with them. It doesn't even when, have you ever, see, I told you so's? It doesn't, the love of God doesn't even let me see, I told you so. You don't even do that. You just walk on. Why? It's as far as the east is from the 
West. And these are co-laborers. Paul to us, Paul to the Corinthians, he's saying he was proud of them in spite of all of this because he had a confidence in what God's doing. That's why he tells you and I, as he did the Corinthians, open wide. Open wide. Now then, I want to get this last one in. Because this is kind of amazing to me. He is boasting. He is confident. And look what he says. Now listen. Have you ever poured yourself into a person? Uh, there was a strange time there where everybody was into uh, discipleship gimmicks. That's what I called them. You know, I'm going to find me a, a disciple and, and do this. You know, because I, I remember they told me, they said, well, Terry, you're the senior pastor there. You need to find you a Timothy. And, 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 and train that Timothy up to take your place. Uh, well, this never really worked well for me because they all either, they all went to different places. I mean, one is serving at uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church in uh, Washington, D.C. Matt went up to, every time I get one and about where I think I can retire now, they go someplace. <laughs> so I give up on Timothy thing. Um, <laughs> cause it's, it's, but, but there's been some, that you pour yourself into and you feel like it's been for no apparent reason. We have a study that we do for new believers called Fundamentals of the Faith. Uh, I know Stephanie's gone through it before. I think Paige has taken some people to it. But we could never get anybody to do it. They would get about halfway through the book and then all of a sudden, poof, they would disappear. It was like gone. And I just kept thinking, what's that book? We won't let them do that no more. Because it was like, they said, I want to be ground in the word. I want to be thriving in the word. Well, let's do this fundamentals of the faith. Great. Poof. And you're like, well, what was that? Okay. You know, I had a phone call from my son-in-law on on Thanksgiving. And he says, my men's group uh, is finishing up something they're studying. And he says, what would strengthen the men? <laughs> I was like, the Bible. <laughs> and he says, but what study would you recommend? Ditto. <laughs> I already said. So I, I ran it off a couple of things. And I said, you know, I, it's hard for me. And he said, well, you've got, I said, it's hard for me to say, listen, I ain't going to get a guy into dispensational, trichotomous dispensationalism if he's an infant in Christ. Okay, he doesn't need that. All right, get something like walking with Jesus moment by moment. Okay, you know, there's all kinds of things out there for men to study. But there's some things in there. You don't give an infant steak and potatoes. Okay, but as soon as you say that, everybody gets their feelings hurt. You don't think I'm mature? Well, actually, no. (laughs) Because if I thought you were mature, you'd already be reading your Bible and you wouldn't need a study. But anyway, but that's not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm trying to get at is, is that when you love as the ministry has called you to, you will be comforted and made joyful. Okay. And you know what? Have you ever had those, uh, those times when, uh, you, you know God's telling you to intervene into a situation that you don't want no part of. 
You ever been in any of those? I just don't want to do this. Why? I don't like them people. Okay? I know they're yours and you love them. You take care of them. Okay? But there's been a couple of times. Well, more than that. There have been a few times when I, you walk into this thing. You're like, I don't want to be a part of this. You know, I don't like heartache. And if any of you do, you do it. I'll give them your number. Okay? I don't like that sorrow, that grief. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a guy lost his wife. Uh, she had had a, a heart transplant a year ago. She's doing great. She didn't feel good on Tuesday. Cardiac arrest by Wednesday morning. Died on Thursday. Okay, but they had this great year together. And it's sad. It, it, was, it, was, it was tough. You know, and, and, you know, they, well, can you be there? And what am I going to do? I can't do anything. I didn't attend a church. I just, I just sit there and smile at him. You know, I give the guy my phone number. I said, I said, you know, all right now, you got all these people around you. But in 30 days, you're going to be alone and you're going to move into Christmas and you ain't got no wife. I said, call me. Okay, because I've been through this before. And uh, there are those times that you step into that because you know God said step into it. And you're like, I don't want to step into it. All right, I'll do it. And you realize that you get more comfort and joy and blessing out of it than probably the person that's having to listen to you. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, I am filled with comfort. You ever thought about that? Filled. You know what that means, right? I don't have any more room for any more comfort. I'm filled. I am overflowing with joy in all of our afflictions. The word afflictions here is pointing right straight back to the false teachers who are accusing Paul. I'm confident. I'm boasting. And I have great joy. Even with the heartache that you guys are putting upon me. And the afflictions of being in the danger in the country and from my countrymen and from the Gentiles. Even in all of that, I'm filled. I'm filled with comfort and I'm overflowing with joy. That's, that's still amazing to me. All that Paul is trying to get through is that, you know what? In this love, when you exercise this love, remember, love is a verb. Okay, when you're doing that, you will know you are because you will be comforted and joyful regardless of what's going on. Listen, joy is not happiness. Please understand that. Okay, happiness is based on happenstance. All right, that is not joy. My best man, when he left this world, uh, we had gone up. He, his, his health had just got get worse and worse and worse. And uh, he was getting in for his last surgery. And uh, his wife was there. She's a non-believer. He was a, a, a good believer. And um, his greatest heart was that his wife would be saved. And so he was getting ready to go in for this surgery. The doc said if he comes through this and regains consciousness, then he should start improving. Uh, if not, he'll die. And so he says, Terry, will, will you pray for me? And I said, yeah. That's what you want me to pray. He says, Terry, I want you to pray that if I can't come back and serve in the church, at least to the degree I am right now, that the Lord would take me home. Do 
that's a hard prayer with an unbelieving wife sitting on the other side of the bed. Okay? And the Lord took him home. I mean, you know, I, well, there you go. He answered my prayer. But I take great comfort and joy with the walk that I had with Ed. We used to, we used to be nuts. I knew him longer than I knew my wife. And I mean, nuts is an understatement. We rode to Sturgeson back in a day on motorcycles, just to cop some t-shirts. It was awful. It was. I, I hated motorcycles after that. I said, why in the world would anybody ever do that? Okay, but I was young and stupid. Well, Ed was too. We have been through. I came to salvation, was separated from him for a time frame, and then all of a sudden he came to salvation. We both came back together and was walking with the king. And then all of a sudden he, he was one that you called to say, pray for this, and he's going to pray. Right then, there. And he'll keep bugging you until we get an answer. That's the way he was. And the Lord took him. And I run into his wife every once in a while. But I think about it, that the time that God gave me with him, I take great joy and comfort. Great joy and comfort. And it's not happiness. It's not based on happenstance. It's, it's, it's regardless of the pain, regardless of the suffering, that's what the Apostle Paul's telling you and I. It's an amazing thing. Look at verse 13 of this chapter. For this reason we have been comforted. And besides our comfort, we rejoice even much more for the joy of Titus. Because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. The Corinthian church refreshed Titus? It must be like the second Baptist church of Corinth. Because the first one was a bunch of knuckleheads. He said, no, just being around them refreshed him. Titus came with a good report. Titus was encouraged by them. See, you think about those you love. Think about it right now. Those you love, okay, do they bring you joy? Do they make you rejoice? Family, friends, then I'm going to give you the big one, the church. You know, I, I have people ask me, you know, I've been, a, I moved out here from Ohio, oh gosh, a long time ago. And people say, well, do you miss your family? I said, no, I have family. They're a huge family. Well, but don't you? No. My mom loves the Lord. I know I'll see her later. Uh, my dad, I don't know about that one. Uh, my stepdad, I'll see him later. Uh, my brother knows the Lord. I, that's fine. I've got some cousins and everything. They, they know the Lord. My grandparents knew the Lord. I'll see them later and, and all the rest of it. And I look around. This is my family. And it has been my family for almost 25, 26 years. It ain't going nowhere. This is the family. You know, I get some of the families, they walk out and move to a different place or some get mad and go act like my Uncle Carl. <laughs> Maybe not. 
But I have family and friends. But see, that love isn't to blood relatives. That love isn't to, well, this is my high school friend. That love is always there. No matter the issue. Love is open wide. The heart is open wide. I got plenty of room. No matter what the struggles. How is love? Because it focuses on that object. The object of my love. And when I focus on that object and the love of Christ that overwhelms me and compels me, then I have great joy. And you know what? There's struggles in it. If you've been in the church for any length of time at all, there's sometimes that them loving people are just a struggle. But you press on. I think about the Paul in the middle of his sufferings. He finds tranquility based on the joy that he received from the Corinthians. And I'm thinking of all the churches in the New Testament. The Corinthians? This is what you've seen in 1 Corinthians 13. Listen, I want to close this section up. I want you to think about this for a second. This is similar to, we call it the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Ten points of love. I want you to think about this for a second. You have truth, affection, oneness, purity, humility, forgiveness, together, confidence, boasting, and joy. Right? I know it doesn't flow, but you get the point. Is that not exactly how God loves each and every one of us? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ loved us in truth. He loved us with affection. He loves us with a oneness that you would be as one as me and the Father are one. He loves us with purity He loved us in humility. He took on the form of a bondservant. He loves us with a forgiveness that I can't comprehend. He loves us so we will be together. He loves us with the confidence that He will complete in us that that He has called us to. He loves us that He boasts. You ever thought about that? He boasts before the angelic host of you and I. And because of that, he has great joy with us. And we are to love the same way. That is the model that Paul has been presented to us. And let me tell you something. It is extraordinarily revealing in each of our lives. A love that surpasses knowledge. The love of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. But yet again. Father, I I look at my brother Paul and I'm overwhelmed. Father, thank you. Thank you for the love that you have poured in our hearts. But Father, thank you for the example of love. You on that tree that you did for us. Father, may we consider others more important than ourselves. Father, may we understand it does not seek its own. It's not about you and I, Lord. It's, it's, It's about... 
this good news. Help us. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of this awesome calling, even as we understand who is adequate for such a thing. Thank you, Father, for what you've done. Father, thank you for your love. And Father, help each of us to love as we are loved. To your glory and praise. Amen.